Welcome. I'm your host, Alex Avila, and this is CAB, College, Career, and Beyond, where we explore on subjects of academia, economics, political, arts, culture, environmental, social enterprise, and even social struggles. Stay tuned and connected to CAB, College, Career, and Beyond, where we keep you ahead of the game and not behind the game. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen. I'm your host, Alex Avila. This is College, Career, and Beyond, and we have our special guest today. We have Miriam Ragsdale, who's a special needs advocate and a specialist as well. Ever since I know this young, amazing, talented individual, she's always been an entrepreneur, uh, supportive people, and uh, always looked at ways to uplift the community. So welcome uh, to our podcast, and thank, thank you for you. being our guest today. So what led you to want to like always be a supporter or in services of working with people? Um, well, most of my career started with working with children. And um, I think what why I've started, why I started there was that I just developed a passion for working with kids and somehow improving their lives or creating an opportunity to have a home away from home. In fact, that's what I would tell my parents when I had my daycare facility that my 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 passion and my motto was to be that this is their home away from home and really truly it was just basically being the parent that I wish I had and just you know supporting kids loving kids allowing kids to play and be themselves and be a part of a positive experience in their development it's amazing um, especially to have uh young women of color like yourself who are advocates in the community and also entrepreneurs um it's just fascinating that people like yourself to have a heart and care in times of need especially today you know we in COVID-19 and um, you know we've grown to have like a fear of people and people have become a lot more distant and um you still look forward to meeting and, and working with folks even in the midst of COVID-19 so um, before we get to that portion of you being a specialist um, around special needs and interest, when did you know you wanted to work with people? At what age? At age, what age in my life? Yeah. Um, or when did you, did you ever go through your struggles that you felt like you needed to create a type of uh, support system or advocacy for, for, for people with special needs or, or people who needed resources? Yeah, um, I well, as a young child in elementary school, my needs were not addressed until I was in um, middle school. And I struggled with reading and comprehension, and there wasn't anything in place that my family, my parents had facilitated to help me with that. I mean, my dad would do the best that he could to help me at home, but you know, I was a child, I loved to play. I was just very active as a young girl. And, you know, that was my focus. And so, um, although there's many opportunities to teach children centered around play, that's how children learn. But that wasn't something that I think that my parents maybe had the education or even the time or patience to know how to support. And so I actually had to advocate for myself um, and ask for help when I was in middle school because wow, of my wait struggle. A minute. So wait, wait, you gotta you just can't rush by that. Um, hold on. 
And uh, yeah, you just can't rush by that. So what do you mean in middle school? How old were you when you had to advocate for yourself? Um, I was probably my daughter's age, maybe 11 or 12 years old. And I have a twin sister and she was thriving in school and making honor roll and so were our friends and I wasn't. And so I definitely had a desire, but I shied away from um, reading. Like reading and comprehension was a big struggle for me. And um, I just shy any opportunity to read out loud or just to pick up a book and read. I would just not go towards it. And I just didn't have the confidence at, um, and support at home to understand that that was something not that I knew how to do and that I didn't have to feel like I was that I couldn't do it. And so um, when I was in school, I had this experience with my history teacher and he humiliated me in front of our, my class. And um, how so? Like what, what happened? Well, I was probably acting, just being, acting out, not focusing, you know, teachers want a very still, quiet class, and I was one of those students that made, it made me uncomfortable when we're sitting down quietly and, you know, row by row, each person had to read. And so as it became my time, I would consciously create a distraction so that I wouldn't, so that it could just kind of skip over me or I would say, can I go to the bathroom or something so like that. So you would act up. Yeah. You was one of those students that when it was time for you to perform or present, you you created, you was the one class clowning or uh, Something noise, to get out of just it. Just to get out of it. Just and you were successful. Oh, yeah. I, I, that's how I got by for a long time in my, you know, educational career as a young child. And so um, he knew, he knew that I had struggles. He knew that I struggled in that area. Um, but he just humiliated me in the classroom and he was just like, he said something like, like, duh, oh, can you read or something like that. Oh, wow. So he exposed to the class that you probably had. Mm-hmm. Um, wow. Yeah. And that's embarrassing. Very, very, very. So I was, um, I my sister she would always come and pick me up because that class was right before lunch and i was outside of the which which sister older my twin sister and she would come and pick me up from my class and we would go to lunch together and i was outside of the trailer class and i was just sitting there crying and then so she saw that and she's like what happened what's wrong and i told her and she marched up to that class in that classroom and gave that teacher a piece of his mind and she cussed him out. How oh, old is she's 11 years old. 12, 11, 12. 11, 12 cussed so. him out, gave it, let him know. <laughs> well, that's amazing having a 12-year-old, 11-year-old uh, go after a teacher defending his, her sister. Well, and I think that's because my we knew what went on in the home. Like, you know, my mom, she wasn't supportive. In fact, she was very, uh, you know, emotionally abusive when it came to support and encouraging me where it came natural for my other two sisters and she just didn't know how like my mom had her own struggles and you know my other two sisters they didn't have that problem whereas for me it created a challenge for her so so that's interesting and you know uh you know growing up households where uh I guess literacy is not the primary uh, mm-hmm. focus. Um, mm-hmm. Just going to school, you know, people just say, go to school, you're going you're gonna to figure it out. Yeah. Um, but not understanding. I was a special ed kid. I spoke, um, my first language was Spanish. I learned English in school. 
And uh, my parents, they're obviously language is Spanish uh, predominantly. And uh, yeah, they couldn't understand why I was born in America. I was born in New York City, but they couldn't understand why I couldn't get the language. I'm like, English is hard. Um, and so, yeah, like, and then they weren't, you know, my dad, his highest grade he completed was ninth grade. Mm. My mom's was sixth grade. And so for them, you know, my dad tried, you know, he gave me dictionaries and things like that to keep me engaged. He tried helping my homework, it would be wrong. You know, you mm. go to class and they make fun of you and you're just like, God, geez. And I was a, a special ed and also in New York, if you're extra slow, and this, is, this was back then, not only was you in special ed, but you also was in um, a resource class. So you had right. an, and so I don't know, what did y'all have here? I was in a resource class. So, okay. and that's where my needs were, was that I got one-on-one attention with a, a, a resource teacher. And, you know, I remember her coming, or I, it put it, they, they had it where it was really discreet, um, where I wasn't necessarily pulled out of class, but it was just fit into my schedule. Oh, okay. They know they pulled us out of class. Say, and then, then people know, because the person that pulls you out of the class, it was like, oh, that's a special... That's the, you know, but they, I mean, they call me the retard kid. So there was, oh. oh, that's the retard kid. He's going to the retard class. Right. And so, um, so from that moment, when you were doing that, did it help you? Um, yes, that lady, she definitely helped me because it turned from, it was more confidence for me. Um, I mean, I could read. And one of how I learned I want to say how to read or to develop confidence in reading was that I would have to hear myself read. Okay. You know. Out loud? Mm-hmm. And I would have to, like, look up words in the dictionary. But I was really determined because, I, I, I mean, I wanted to do better, but I just didn't know how. At what point did you become determined? I think I always was determined. I just didn't know how to, how to do it or to where to get the help because I was relying on my family my parents so I didn't know that there was help out there until this incident happened in my classroom and then you know we got marched up to the principal's office because my sister's being defiant in light of defending her sister so you you, your sister got in trouble she did not get in trouble okay so you got you had to go to the principal's office Mm -hmm. um what school was this oh I don't um I don't remember the name of it. My sister would be able to tell you, but I don't remember the name. Okay. So, all right. So you got marched on to the school uh, principal mm-hmm. uh, and um, with your sister and your mm-hmm. mom's or just your sister? Just my, me and my, my parents had no involvement in this. Oh, wow. Okay. I know. This is kind of funny. Okay. Go ahead. I'm right. <laughs> so went up to the principal's office and she was a, a black African-American woman. Her name is Miss Forte. Miss Forte. I actually taught her last school that she taught five years ago she retired five years ago really yeah and she anyway we'll talk about miss forte in a second did she remember me she brags about y'all like she knew y'all to the t (laughs) described you all as brilliant smart troublemakers yes um, because y'all caused (laughs) havoc at the school we did but uh we did especially me like for real she probably spoke oh my gosh (laughs) As soon as I said the last name, she said, I know the family. And this is like, I don't know, decades later. So yeah. you left an impression. In fact, she brought, she'll probably listen to this podcast, by the way. Okay. So shout out to uh, Miss Forte. Yes, Miss Forte. She 
called me in that office and sat down with me, my sister, and the teacher. And my sister explained what happened and what she said. Ms. Forte dismissed Maxine, or my sister, <laughs> to go <laughs> off to um, lunch. And then she and I and the teacher, we talked. And I remember her saying, do you need help? That was just, she said, do you need help? And that was the first time an adult asked ever. you ever. Oh, wow. Mm-hmm. Wow. And I said, yes. I said, and I was crying. I was like, I know how to read, but I just don't, I don't know. And so then help came in. So um, I got a resource teacher that came and she just kind of helped me understand like my weaknesses and my strengths and what I can do to practice and things like that. And I set a goal to make the honor roll because I was just this kid that just shied away from things that seemed hard to me. And But I wanted to do better. But like I said, I just didn't have the tools to. And so, um, you know, once I start getting the help that I needed, I started setting independent goals for myself. And I eventually got the honor roll, got straight A's and... You know, I knew that I could do it, and I just started practicing more and more on my own and building up my own esteem and confidence. So, Did you ever go back to thank Ms. Forte? No. Ooh. I should. Well, you can think of us. She's going to hear this podcast, obviously. I hope um, it makes her happy. And, um, yeah, she brags about I mean, if you know you can remember a, a specific student, you know that student is. <laughs> either brilliant which usually they are or a havoc um, i was probably both i remember how she looks i remember miss Fort. that's the only principal that i remember in my entire well my high school principal too but yeah she definitely did something for me so and miss forte is an african-american uh uh lady um who she's very stern mm-hmm. and um she plays no games Mm-mm. um she is, and you, her voice is very distinct. When mm-hmm. she comes on the campus, everybody knows she's her presence is felt. Yeah. Um, there is no mistake in the Miss Forte. Yeah. And not, not just for students, but faculty and staff. Like, everybody knows she's on campus because she's, like, on it. And uh, she's, like, and then she's tedious. Like, she makes sure she looks at every detail. Yeah. Um, and she knows just about every student that's on campus. And well, uh, that's hard for principals to do now. Well, she definitely was a huge intervention in my life and stepped up and noticed, recognized a need, and made sure that I got what I needed. So she got you a, a, a resource teacher. Mm-hmm. And so what was the interaction with the other teacher who uh, kind of, for lack of better words, kind of took abuse, right? Abuse on uh, your skill sets there. Yeah. Um, you know, after that day, I don't remember him. So I don't know. Wow. I think maybe they moved me out of his class because although I, I I definitely spoke up for myself, obviously, I was uh, able to ask for help. And right. so I think maybe I asked to be removed from his class because I didn't, didn't feel supported or something. It didn't feel comfortable going back no. after being kind of bullied in class. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Wow. Um, okay, so this experience and then... And we're only bringing this up because obviously you are that now for students. Ironically, isn't that the weirdest thing? I'm so ex- I know. I'm just so weird. excited wow. about that. So full circle. Who would have yes, thought? Um, all right. So the struggle you say starts at home, 
or is it in school? Is it both? What? How, how does that work? I think it work? starts at home. I think, I mean, you learn at home, you know, that's, it starts at home. And I think that anything outside of home is a reinforcer. But then you have the students that don't have that support at home. So it does definitely take a very um, aware individual to be able to recognize the signs. Because a lot of kids aren't going to speak up for themselves. They're not even going to know how to, you know, they will act out like how I would act out. Because okay. of the embarrassment, the frustration, all those things. So, so is the acting out a, a cry for help? Absolutely. Okay. And then you, because you've been through it, would it be able to identify it, right? Oh, yeah. All right. Mm-hmm. And, and just a quick, uh, for those who may not uh, be aware, back in the days, what was kind of your attitude? Because you were kind of rough around the edges. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know my attitude. I was just... Was you a bully? No, I wasn't a bully. You wasn't a bully? I don't think I was a bully. All right. Because you seem like from stories I heard back in the day, because you seemed like you like you said, you act out in class, but you also took initiative. I was for the underdog, I think. So you were the defender of... Yeah, I had friends that were had special needs. Oh. You know, I, I I was cool with everybody. You, you know, just didn't I, like when people were being picked on. No, uh-uh, and no. you defended those people. I defended those people. Um, you know, you have in any society, you know, environment for kids. It's its own little environment. There's like a whole little network, and so you know, I, I maybe had my group of friends that were the bullies or the popular ones or the ones that everybody knew, but. Um, I also had my friends that were the underdogs too, you know. So I was pretty well rounded, and I, I appreciate that about my childhood. All right. So my next question uh, to this segment is because you go through a lot of transitions, mm-hmm. and it's kind of unique. Um, you start off in California, mm-hmm. and um, well, before we do the relocation. Um, Household wise, uh, pause it right there. Okay, 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 okay. I think I think I know what direction we're gonna go in because this is kind of unique. Is it true that most parents are not aware, or maybe they've never been exposed to these kind of experiences to understand how to help students? Um, yes, I think that just in my experience working with families who have children for a variety of uh, developmental um, disabilities, um, that a lot of it I think has to do with like the economical status, um, the education level of the person in the home. And so they, uh, they wouldn't know. They wouldn't know how to go about doing it, how to get their child support. You know, a lot of it is background, just from my experience with a lot of my family background, my mom's background, and her know-how or lack thereof. And so, um, yeah, I do believe that, um, yeah, it just takes, like, the educator, I think. Because, like, and I don't know how it is back in the day, but as far as today, how if I was working with a student that didn't have an IEP or 
wasn't receiving some kind of early intervention and then just went into the educational system with an IEP. Um, What's an IEP for folks who are listening? It's an individual educational plan. Um, and so that just basically, it is a roadmap for their special education. And This is the remix or the improved version of resource class. Um, yeah, because I don't remember having an, I don't know if I had, I don't remember having an IEP no, as yeah, a child. I never had it as a, as a child no, as well. I yeah, I don't think that even existed. But um, so a lot of kids, a lot of fam- children today, if they grow up, say they were diagnosed um, at an early age, infancy, two, three years old. So there's early intervention that is a part of that where it just starts in the very beginning before they even start school. And then they go into the uh, preschool and then that's where the um, IEP will start for them. So they would have that support from infancy to three years old with early intervention and then after three, they would then have the school to support them. So there's, but then there's that gap where there's kids that don't receive that support for mm-hmm. whatever reason, lack of resources. Maybe they moved from another state. Maybe they're in foster care and whatever it might be. And so it would take um, the the general their general education teacher to be able to recognize that there's a need there and to support that student and, you know, bring it to the parent's attention and delicately, you know, because some parents aren't ready to hear that. They, maybe they know, but they're not ready to process, do something this, about it. And, and then how would you and what would you say? Um, and you talk about this IEP process of just having this individual educational plan for young folks. Um, and it's funny you brought up Miss Forte because when I started teaching um, in middle school and high school, um, it was unique because I had a student in high school that was not participating. Mm-hmm. And you know, I was a high school. I'm a, I was a high school dropout. Um, I was the knucklehead in class, and I might have been doing similar in mm-hmm. classroom, just acting up, uh, fights, you name it. Um, I was a bit energetic and all over the place as a student. Um, because I was also embarrassed. And so and then, so when I did resource class in, um, I think, elementary and middle school, I don't know, did you, I noticed a big increase in grades. I went from just like the dumb kid in class to honor roll. Mm-hmm. And I also got into the, um, there was a special class called the uh, um, smart class. And there, there were names back then, but I actually got into those classes. Um, but I still needed help. So it wasn't enough. It was enough to get me in, mm-hmm. and it wasn't like I was there by accident. Like my grades, like jumped. Like it was like a significant jump, but I still needed more infrastructure. And um, but anyway, I said that to say that I still dropped out of school because I still felt like school wasn't for me. And uh, teachers were just jerks um, and not supportive, and they were busy. Yeah. So they don't see you. You don't. You're like another student. They yeah. sometimes they didn't even know my name. It was just one like, oh yeah, whatever. Just sit down, have a seat. And so I just felt like I was out of place. Now, today, obviously, I'm a professor in, in English and liberal studies, so it's kind of ironic. But um, I say that to say that in, in the high school, before I started teaching in college, I had a student, and I was teaching at a high school Ms. Forte was at. Mm-hmm. And I had a lot of problems. Like, this student gave me a lot of problems. And I know how to deal with problematic children in the class or students. Like, I'm really good. Mm-hmm. But this one, oh, my gosh. It was off 
off the charts. And I was and I was like, before I lose it, because I was, you know, teachers get to that point, they just about to lose it. Before I lose it, my cool, um, because he did everything to push the button, um, all types of disrespect. And for whatever reason, they just kept leaving him in the class. I sent him out, go to, you know. So anyway, there's one day I said, you know what? I think there's something else happening because we had a writing assignment that I gave the students and he would, he fought me on it. He wouldn't, he wouldn't write nothing. And I was like, I remember something like that. Where do I remember? I couldn't put it together. So anyway, I go to Ms. Forte. I said, look, I have the student. I can't help him. Mm-hmm. There's, everything I've done, I failed. And yeah, it's uncomfortable saying that to you. And most of my students were excelling. So my, my performance was, ex- I was kicking butt. But this one kid just made me, I hate having a bad stat. But this one kid, oh my God. And his name was Alex too. It was horrible. It was just like, Jesus Christ. <laughs> so um, Mexican, and shout out to A. Um, he's doing, he's, he's, he's in Mexico now, but shout out to him. Um, so I go to Miss Forte. I was like, look, this one kid right here, I can't, I, it's nothing I can do. I'm done, and and I've done everything I could to help him. And the truth be told, it's I can't I can't do anything. I ran out of resources, creativity. I don't even have the the bandwidth, right? And she goes, "Has he had an IEP?" I was like, "I don't even know what that is." So even yeah. when you said it, I was like, oh. "So she goes, has, I don't know if he has an IEP. I mean, they come in and get files, but I don't see anything in his files that says that he's special needs." Mm-hmm. And so she goes, all right, before you lose your cool, uh, before you give up on this uh, student, let me go find, because every school has an officer or mm-hmm. a specialist to go make sure that that file is in the document. Mm-hmm. And so when they went to go check it out, his file was never in the document, and he was IEP. Oh, they missed that. They missed it. Oh, wow. And what Ms. a service. Yeah, and Miss Forte caught it, and it was crazy. So, And, you know, the guy who missed it, he was mad at me. Because that's his Cause job. Because you brought it up. Because I brought you pointed it, up. it out. Yeah, you, and I don't know. If, I don't teach in high school no more. But anyway, he was really upset with me that he was like, you don't go to the principal. Was he a transfer student? Or? He was a transfer student. And um, and they just didn't review his records. And he missed it. They got who, whoever they, I'm Maybe not his say. records came late and no, got it was lost there because the she found the record. Oh. Like she found his record. Like she went digging and found it. And the guy whose job it was to find it, um, he was embarrassed because that's his job. He should have been. And Miss Forte was like, "Well, there you go. He's an IP, and we need to put him on a program." And she like, like, like from A to Z. Yeah. And when I say this kid in two months was a different kid, mm-hmm. he was writing in class, he was talking in class, he was no longer a distraction. He was part. T- he went from F, and I think he left my class with a B plus. Yeah. And not because I wanted to give him a B plus. It's just. He outperformed mm-hmm. most of the, you know, he was doing amazing things. So it's a big difference. It is. It's a real big difference. It is. Mm-hmm. Um, so now, did, all right, so would you say being in school, you hated school? Mm, did I hate school? I think I hated. Um, or oh, the teachers or the environment. Now, there's some cool teachers. I had like maybe maybe a handful of good teachers. You know what? It's so funny because I don't remember a lot of school. I think maybe I did hate it and I just blocked a lot of it out. <laughs> so would you but, say school was traumatizing? 
Maybe, in some ways. I don't know. A lot of it I, is a fog for me. Um, but a lot of this, my experience in school, a lot of it that I remember is high school. Anything prior to that is a fog. Like, mm. I remember in elementary, I had this friend named Delilah, and she was a student in special education, and she had cerebral palsy. Oh. And I would go and visit her during lunch, and I would see her walking to school and say, Hi, Delilah. And she said, Hi. And we knew each other, and I, I started volunteering in that classroom. What do you mean, volunteering? I just would go. I I asked my the ladies there if I could volunteer in the class in Delilah's class to help in class. I was young. Like how old were you volunteering? <laughs> I was in elementary school. You was in elementary school volunteering to help with mm-hmm. the Delilah who has who was severely, you know, disabled. Wow. Mm-hmm. Wow. So you've been doing this. So it's a yeah. It's a part of me. I don't know where it came from. That's interesting. Mm-hmm. So this is what we talk about advocacy, right? So now, okay, all right. You done. So let's go right into it because you know we got a few things to touch. Uh, so we we done your elementary, middle school, high school uh, years, uh, kind of roughly, mm-hmm. and um, so now you're going into your profession and you open up a daycare. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was a successful daycare facility. Like it was amazing, it was beautiful, and it was very popular. Mm-hmm. And I was definitely impressed how organized and well, like like you had that thing running like like a, a Fortune 500 business. And mm-hmm. so it was impressive. Um, the other thing was that you also was a case worker. Like yeah. you really, so you dealt with some cases. So mm-hmm. you go, this is what I'm saying. This lady right here is amazingly talented. Like she's done a lot. And so so you became a caseworker. Mm-hmm. For kids with developmental disabilities. Look at that. For kids. You see the, you see the link, ladies and gentlemen, why she's a, a specialist uh, for people with special needs. I mean, she's the right person. Like she's the right person for the job. Uh, probably her destiny. And so... You can't say names, obviously. You can't mention the family's names. But what were some of the crazy cases that you come across? Um, you know what? I don't know that I really experienced a lot of... I wouldn't categorize it as crazy, but just a lot of parents that... Because a lot of my clients, there it was from infants to toddlers, infancy to three. So you came across parents who... You know, this was their first experience having a child with any kind of delay. And so, you know, you think about it, first baby, and you're expecting this healthy child, and then there's something wrong. Or when they start to turn two, they start to show signs of autism or something like that. And so um, it was a lot of just fears, a lot of just people need support. People need support, people need direction, people need to know what to do, people need to know that there's help out there and they need to be led in the right direction. And so that was my job. And you know, some of the things, something I take with it, with me from that experience is that, you know, you just have to meet people where they are and um, be very, very um, passionate and patient with people because 
you know, it's it's when they're ready. Right. Yeah, on the, on their pace, and then that's how you build on their strength, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. And and that's unique because uh, you started the business, and you didn't complete college. Mm-mm. So when you started your daycare, you was an entrepreneur making a lot of money um, through the daycare facility, and you went back to school so you could become a social worker. Mm-hmm. And you got your social work degree. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you went back to school to become a special needs advocate specialist. Mm-hmm. Um, wow. So it, talking about career pathways, um, was it hard to get your first degree? No, because um, that was really interesting how that happened. Because in the state of Arizona, there's just so many opportunities available for business business owners small businesses and at the time it was when um our there was like the first recession that i had experienced there there was like a crash in the um housing market the housing market crashed 2006 2008 and so um i got all types of when i started my business i enrolled with food programs i got licensed through the department of economic services i was licensed with dhs or des and that's for children who receive government assistance and then so parents who couldn't pay a full rate of child care they would get a discount so i got those kids and i had like private clients that would come to me and um, I was on a, re- a um, referral program where I didn't have to look for people looking, people were looking for me. So I just found all of the resources that would support me in my business. And so one of them was this organi- organization called Chicasas, Chicasas por la Casa. And they supported uh, childcare providers in helping them to get their college degree. And so I found out about them and I said, well, what do I need to do? <laughs> you know, here I am looking for more help. <laughs> what do I need to do? And so they said, well, you know, we want to, um, I had to complete a certification mm-hmm. or to become a certain grant. It was a grant that I received, but it was a certain license or something. It's so long ago, I forget what it's called, but Um, that I received through them and then they also had a separate organization where they would pay for my undergraduate degree just because I was a child care provider to support me in getting my education. Wow, wow. That's that's a brilliant, smart uh, resource because oops, uh, that's a a brilliant, smart resource because uh, if you're a child care provider and you're getting your degree, you're advancing your, not just your your profession but also yourself as a as a person yes and so it just really it was a huge advance because it allowed me to improve myself but also my business as well Mm. and that's what they wanted they wanted for the the state of arizona they wanted um child care providers to be more or to to have that education Mm -hmm. um and to have more paperwork just licensing and things like that to and it was free and you free. got paid to do it right they gave me money for it yep wow they, they yeah. should have more programs like that oh there's so much there's i mean there the money is there you just have to know where to look where to look at oh. mm-hmm. wow that's it wow so yeah uh for those who are looking to start their own daycare facilities there's resources out there for you uh, i know that's mm-hmm. the state of california i mean arizona and we're in california and people in, friends in new york city and florida I'm pretty sure there's resources oh, out yeah. there, federal there's, and state, that, that help 
mm-hmm. to advance your uh, profession. Mm-hmm. Okay, that's impressive. Yeah, and, and the license I got was licensed as a group home. Oh. But I did not have foster children in my home. I had a daycare business, right, but right. it was still the same type of license. Yeah. And so, and it just, you know, you have regulations for what's expected when you have kids in your home. So. And you learned a lot pro- through that process, I bet. Oh, yeah. I helped a lot of people get off the ground with, you know, starting their own daycare facility and knowing where to go or just kind of point them in the right direction for that, too. And, you know, I know what to do when and ready. So. Okay. All right. All right. Okay. So now... Um, not only do you help start your own business for yourself, but you also hooked other people and gave them the roadmap uh, to start their own business and be successful in their endeavors as well. That's amazing. Um, and again, um, having a young black female entrepreneur uh, in this day and age is very important. And you serve everybody, white, yeah. black, Latinos. You didn't care. All of them. Yeah, I had a lot of babies. They were so sweet. I love those kids. I still keep in contact with them today. It's like an extended family, right? Oh, yeah. Mm -hmm. And so now that you are a a specialist and an advocate for special needs uh, students in the district, how do you feel about that process? I'm excited. I'm so excited. I just... I don't know. I'm, I'm excited because this is a new beginning. This is a, like you're saying, recreating myself. Right. And, um, but everything that I've done has pointed me into this direction. And um, I'm really excited. I'm getting my master's in special education. Um, and I am now starting a position at um, an elementary school in Arizona. And it's a predominantly black environment. And that's something that I'm so excited about because um, I want to work in that population of kids. And I feel like, you know, with what I present and offer, I want to, you know, they need it the most, the students that not just African-American, but just in lower economical situations. And so... um, I'm really excited. I'm excited for the future. I'm excited to share my ideas. I have plenty as far as even with COVID and how this is affecting our students in the education in education and um, just what what it is. I one of my concerns with COVID is you know just the lack of support that the kids are getting now and what is it that that's going to create for them and. Who are, who, are, who are they going to be after all of this? And what type of supports are going to be put in place so that whatever that looks like is addressed appropriately? And not just for students for with special needs, but all students, because all of them are experiencing this, and all of them are experiencing certain levels of stress and anxiety and processing and coping skills that are not developed that basically are essentially going to go into the school and then what is that going to look like for that environment for educators and students so i have some ideas that i'd like to explore to see how i can be more of a support to to our to our future really okay and so well, you always had ideas. I saw your daycare and um, know, how you huh? ran that program. You had a lot of cool <laughs> activities. 
And um, even, you know, with older folks, um, even in your family and outside of that, you always had like services and ideas and support, uh, supportive programs to get people up and going and, and, and moving forward. Uh, so, and being successful. Uh, so I have to always commend you on that. So now you are a mother. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you are a proud mother of an 11-year-old, mm-hmm. uh, Sadie. And how is it, so you being a professional woman, um, a career woman, an entrepreneur, how do you find time to also be a mother? Um, I just, I make the time. I put it aside and, you know, I, I put myself on a schedule. I'm a light, I'm a night owl. I'll be up to early, wee early morning of the week. I'm sorry. I just I already had a know. tongue yeah, tie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's okay. <laughs> We hours of the night. Yeah, yeah we yeah. hours of the night mm-hmm. doing what I gotta do, and it's. I think it's great because she sees that, and you know she had she took a picture of me, and I'm just sitting at my computer plugging away, and she woke up, Mom, are you still doing homework? And I'm like, that midnight oil, you know. Yeah, both ends, right? <laughs> yeah. So. And you're a single mom. Mm-hmm. So how has it been? And I also have a shameless plug. Uh, another podcast called Parents Are Cool Podcast coming soon. But anyway, um, so you are a single mother. Okay. And how has that process been as a single mom, changing careers, going back to school, uh, doing multiple jobs, and then, you know, still pursuing a new career, a new career pathway? Um, you know, it has not been easy, but, you know, God has really blessed me. You know, it's... It, as long as you're constantly thinking, and what I mean by not easy is, I mean every I'm a I'm like a, almost an instant gratification. I want it now. I want, I'm like okay, I got to get this right now, you know. So it's just kind of the hard part is like the patience with myself. But then I'm always amazed by the direction that I receive, and then it just it always works out. That's my model. Like I always say, it always works out. You know, and it does. It always works out. And so, you know, I just think that you just have to, your perspective is everything. And, um, you know, single moms, like the, the the most thing, the most important part is to remember that, you know, we have that other person that's looking at us. And I want to do my best to give my daughter the best experience that I can offer her, no matter how challenging or whatever it might be. Because I don't know what her life experiences might be, but I want her to be able to look at, you know, our experience and draw from my strength. And, you know, just, you know, because life, life happens. And so um, it's been it's been rewarding. My daughter is since day one has been my motivation. Like seriously, I can honestly say that I wasn't as creative until I became a parent. That's that sparked the the fire in you, huh? Mm-hmm. Yeah, because you have to be responsible for that little one, huh? Yeah. It's, it's not it's not easy. I understand. I got a two year old, and it's just like Jesus Christ. So. Um, <laughs> got to make sure that the oil you know the oil is in the tank and there's gas in there and that it's still moving at the end of the day yeah and it's and it's and it's funny because I was talking to her today and I was with my beautiful little nephew and he's just so full of energy and love and like just wondering and Sadie she's 11 so she's and she's preteening so we yeah. all know what that looks the like the tweens yeah 
And so she's not as patient. And so I was just telling her, you know what? Um, kids, they teach you how to love. Yeah. They teach you how to love. And you definitely um, experience a different level of love if you allow kids to teach you. That's a, Now, that's an interesting perspective. Ooh. We're going to jump that podcast. So Parents are Cool podcast coming soon. Yeah, we're definitely going to have uh, Marianne come back for that one. But, yeah, if you allow kids to teach you, and I think a lot of parents are afraid to do that because of ego. Mm-hmm. Um, they don't think teach, kids can teach them anything. Mm-hmm. And so you saying that, what did you learn from your daughter? What has she taught you? Oh, my gosh, my daughter. She just seriously opened up my world and helped me to see, like, how powerful I am. And, um, you know, just really encouraged me just her just her presence and her just just her just being just being in the presence of a child that you love and having someone that you're responsible for like really pushed me and continues to push me like I'm in school now starting on this new journey but I'm constantly thinking like okay how can I make this better and you know how could I you know do this this new great idea that I have for helping children learn how to effectively cope in the educational community. Um, you know, how can I create this for not just myself, but for my daughter so that she's also learning? And if this is like our legacy, how could she be someone that's also a powerhouse in the community and shaping young minds, you know, as she grows older? So she's just, you know, she's so smart. She is so intelligent. She amazes me. And I love talking to her. And, you know, I remember when she was a baby, literacy was a concern for me, for her. And it was just because of my struggle. And so I wanted to, and knowing the importance of it, like it just kind of really shapes a lot of things if there's that that part, that weakness that's there. And um, I just really wanted to make sure, I think I maybe overcompensated in a lot of ways. So would you read a lot or like oh. did you have reading activity? Like what tips? Oh, not just for her, but even the kids that I was in charge of for my child, for my daycare. Um, I did, we didn't watch much TV, but if it did, it was like educational for her. We did a lot of reading. Um, I used the My Baby Can Read program for her. Um, I created a little curriculum for her at home and also used what I, she was a part of my my daycare for my kids, so she got what they received also. And every opportunity was a, a time to learn. Mm-hmm. Every opportunity, lunch, um, breakfast, everything was a song. Everything was plain and look at the shape and the color, everything was an opportunity to learn. And so, um, and I had fun. I enjoyed it. I loved, like, doing that with not just her but all the kids. So, you know, I'm just really happy. I I, I feel like the most excited and the most happiest person when I feel like I can play with with the little one. Like, my little nephew, I've had so much fun. (laughs) So much fun. But... You know, just kind of really, like I said, it's a level of love that you kind of get to experience and feel that you don't get all the time. Yeah, especially when we go to work or where we're in these environments where it's just go, 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 go. And, you know, document paperwork and all these other stuff that, you know, you you forget that uh, that ability to love and and be human again. Um, 
So it's funny and that slow you slow down, slow down. It slows you down, huh? It really does yeah. slow you down because you have to. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And you, you're right. I think that that's something to explore. Parents who struggled in school um, academically, um, when they have children, may tend to overcompensate mm-hmm. and find additional resources to make sure that their kids don't go through the same, um, I guess, issues or struggles. And I know for my son, I mean, he has a library that's extensive. Mm-hmm. Um, I read to him, I mean, religiously, I think on a weekly basis, an hour to two hours a day, if I can, but on an average 45 minutes. Um, he has a routine when we put him to sleep. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, sight words, you name it, um, colors, science. We, you know, he gets to, and he has a, a curriculum. I do have a curriculum on my phone for him for what he's going to do that day he's with me when I'm working at home. Um, don't have to go to the office. So it's been a, you're right, I think. Um, and then, you know, it's crazy. I asked myself, if what I, I asked myself, but I know the reality that's not the case. If my parents knew to do this, would it put me in a different position today? Mm-hmm. But um, you can't go backwards. You could only go forward. And so we'll see with my son if this is true. Um, so yeah, I'm, I'm looking forward to that. Uh, so would you say that your love for children also comes from your dad? Cause your dad, I remember him, uh, and connecting with him, he's a photographer, mm-hmm. uh, philanthropist, uh, and, um, in the community doing amazing things. And so giving him himself obviously a lot. And I remember going to his site or job when he was taking you know, doing pictures and the things he would do with kids like he had music he was playing with them and he'll come up with these amazing pictures mm-hmm. um, would you say that your passion and love for children comes from your dad mm, I don't know I don't think so I think it really comes from myself okay how so um, I mean, he's been a perfect and great example, you know, and I remember because even as a child, I don't remember. I never really got to see my dad working with kids. Oh, OK. You know, because I knew what he did, but I didn't see it. I mean, he was a great dad to us and those things. But um, why I think it comes from me is just like I, I think a lot of it is that I, I it's like a, a nourishment of my own child of like myself you know what I mean like you know I just things that you would have wished would you have for yourself you give to others yeah and not even that I'm like feet nurturing my inner child I don't mean it in that sense or maybe in some ways I do but and maybe that's why I enjoy it so much Mm. you know it it's like almost like I get to be a kid again you know and like when I had a daughter, I was so excited because I was just like, "Oh, I get to play with dolls again. This is gonna be fun." You know what I mean? Right, right. And so, um, I think what I don't—it's just—it feels like it's a very simple. It doesn't feel like work because you're you're like seriously coming down to someone else's level, and it's not. It's it's simple. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? There's, you know, there's thought and you have to plan and all those things of how you're going to teach this person. But I believe that 
The most important thing that the child needs to experience is encouragement, love, support, and respect, dignity. Right. You know, and so I feel like I'm just like a, a, a natural nurturer. Like I said, I had a best friend, Delilah, <laughs> that I was volunteering in her class. Wow, and, in elementary school. In elementary school, and I did that for a long time until Delilah left. And... um I don't know. I just think it's just a part of me. It's just something that's just always been there. And maybe that's why I played so hard and got in so much trouble. Because I've always just, you know, kids learn from play. So Yeah, that's scientifically proven, right? Yeah. Um, wow. Well, any last words you want to leave of encouragement for single moms or just women in general or just people in general? Um, during this COVID-19, any words of encouragement? People who are thinking of going back to school and trying to figure out what to do with their now profession. Now is the time, definitely. Now is the time to go back to school. Um, if I mean, we this is the time that we have to sit down and slow down. This is the first time in our lives that we may have the opportunity to better ourselves to make actions towards improving ourselves and the resources are there and it's encouraged and so um if that's something don't delay it and just do it and it and it'll work out it's going it always works out and you know anything that is in a direction of improvement are good the stars align god's blessing is there and it works that's that that's been my experience and in this experience just slow down love your kids support your kids create opportunities for them to be children um, get them outside help them to play share your love um, try not to be stressed out during this crazy and confusing time that we're in right now um, but just focus on the positive and yeah, that's all. Well, you've been a fascinating and amazing guest. Thank you for being on this podcast with College Career and Beyond. Uh, it's been an honor to have you and uh, your words of encouragement and inspiration and also a roadmap uh, of the man- many things that you can do in life. Um, you don't have to stick to one thing. You can do multiple things and find what is your calling. And um, it's never too late. Um, you're still young. And uh, you're doing amazing things again. Continue to do that in your community and continue to thrive. And we'll be watching and being inspired by you. And thank you very much. And this has been uh, College Career and Beyond with Miriam Ragsdale. Thank you for listening to CAB, College Career and Beyond. We hope you enjoyed this episode. You can find us on whatever provider podcast you listen to. Spotify, iTunes, iHeartRadio, and more. Continue listening to CAB College Career and Beyond, where we keep you ahead of the game and not behind the game.